Hey everybody, Rick Versace Jr. here, your host of the Wheels Up Business Travel Podcast. I am also the Director of Business Development at A1A Airport and Limousine Service. And I think you guys are going to love today's show. Uh, We talked with Chrissy Lindsay, who is the Travel Program Manager for Serving and Mapping. And we talk about Chrissy's role and over the last two and a half years, how she has been able to pretty much create a travel program from scratch and go from having 5% adoption when she first started to growing that to 85% adoption today. So she tells us how she was able to do that, what procedures she put in place, uh, how she was able to educate all of her travelers on the travel program. And I really think there's a ton of value here for everybody that tunes in. So uh, I highly uh, suggest listening to the full show throughout. Before we get into the show, I wanted to take a minute to talk about the GBTA convention in San Diego next week, August 11th through 15th. I know a lot of you listening are going to be heading out there next week, so I'd love to meet more of you in person. Uh, I'll be there with the A1A Limo team, uh, and we have a booth, so feel free to stop by and say hello. Uh, We're in booth 418. I'll put a map to our booth in the show notes. And for any of you who are interested in learning more about our ground transportation solutions, uh, go ahead and set a meeting. I'll put a, a link in the show notes that you'll be able to set a specific meeting and time so me and you could sit down and talk a little bit more in depth. But uh, I really look forward to, to meeting anybody who has a, a little extra time to just come by and say hello. Again, that's booth 418. Or shoot me an email. My uh, direct email is rickjr at a1alimo.com. That's rickjr at a1alimo.com. And we could set up some time to talk. And uh, without further ado, here's the show. All right, everybody. I've got Chrissy Lindsay here today. Uh, Chrissy is the travel program manager with surveying and mapping. How are you doing today, Chrissy? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Can't complain. Thanks for taking the time to to jump on the, the interview with us today. I'm looking forward to talking to you a little bit. So I know we have some stuff that we had planned on talking about, but my first question, it has nothing to do with the podcast at all, but... I noticed your name is spelled K-R-I-S-S-I, uh-huh. and is that short for anything? I, I thought that was a little unique. I've never seen Christy spelled like that before. It is. It's short for Christina, but I am one of the rare ones that spells it that way. I was going to say- I, one or two other people with the spelling similar to mine. My sister's name is Christina, and my aunt's name is Christine, so that's, what, that's why I was so curious. Yeah. Yeah, short for <laughs> Christina. All right. Well, now that that, you know, side topic aside, <laughs> now we cleared that up. Um, let's jump right into it. So, like I said, travel program manager with serving and mapping. Um, you've been in the travel industry for a little while. How'd you get started in, in travel? You know, I actually kind of fell into the field. Um, I greatly enjoyed traveling on a personal level. And then shortly after graduating from college, I accepted a position where travel management was a component of the job. And I enjoyed it thoroughly. So from there, I kind of sought out educational opportunities and other professional opportunities um, that allowed me growth in the industry. I think it's been a decade plus that I've been involved in the travel management field. And then most recently, two and a half years ago, I joined surveying and mapping. What was that first, uh, first position that had the, had the little bit of travel component to it that got you set on your path to trying to learn more about the industry as a whole? Sure. Um, It was an international recruiting company, 
And what we did was recruit college students from all over the world to work in the U.S. during their summer break. So I would travel the world to recruit the students to work here in the U.S. And it took me places I probably was never going to travel to otherwise. So a bunch of places in Eastern Europe, Asia, and then I got to see a lot of South and Central America as well. That's awesome. I, I know a lot of people in the travel industry, although they manage travel, they don't typically get to travel a ton in their role, although it, it seems like it's a trend that every everyone who manages travel loves to travel themselves. But that's kind of unique that uh, that the role itself that you got to travel during, you know, doing all the recruiting for the college students. Yes. And, you know, I think it was advantageous in that when you get to travel on behalf of a company and you're also in the industry of managing travel, you get to experience the frustrations yourself. So you can kind of step in the shoe of the traveler um, and know what the headaches can be and how to best resolve them. And you can relate to the traveler better when you've been there yourself. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like it definitely gives you a little bit of empathy towards your travelers because you, you know, you're doing it. You're, you're getting a firsthand look of what it's like traveling from a business perspective, even though you are managing it. So that's, that's pretty cool. It gives you kind of a, you know, outsiders look into the, the travel management industry. Absolutely. Awesome. So, uh, you tra- sound like you traveled a lot of places. What was the, the coolest place that you went on uh, during that whole time? I enjoyed Croatia. I thought it was quite a beautiful country. I got to see um, most of it. And, you know, there's a lot of history there. The food was great. It was if I could go back there or hope to go back there one day for sure. Oh, were you cheering for them in the World Cup? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'll say yes, yeah, but I, I'm not a sports fan, so I barely followed. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. I feel like a lot of uh, Americans didn't follow the World Cup either way, so it's, don't feel bad. Right, right. All right, so two and a half years now that you've been with surveying and mapping. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us a little bit more about tell us a little bit more about surveying and mapping in general. I think a, a lot of people would be interested to hear uh, what exactly uh, the company does and what your role consists of uh, on a day to day basis. Absolutely. So Surveying and Mapping, also known as SAM, is one of the largest providers of geospatial data solutions. So we offer land surveying, aerial mapping, and then subsurface mapping services. Um, We also recently acquired two companies in the east with um, offices in Virginia, North Carolina, and another one in Florida. So it's a company that's experienced considerable growth. So as a travel program manager, it's brought even greater responsibility to my position as well as we onboard um, companies and you know employees in large amounts. So my day-to-day actually is, I, I, in addition to managing the travel program, I also manage our corporate card program. And those two dovetail to a great extent. So everything from answering questions to assisting people with travel to putting out small fires, um, running reports, I do that monthly to look at our spend, to um, kind of better understand as well our traveler behavior. Um, You know, I'm a point person and a go-to for just, I guess, travel and expense periods. So fielding a lot of questions on a daily basis. So on the travel side of things, uh, what type of travel are you managing? Are they, uh, you know, are your employees flying all over the place? Or uh, I, I know uh, you mentioned that you guys you know, have a lot of engineers that are, are constantly going to sites. In my role, I manage travel for two very different groups. 
and that first group being our executives, our managers, and our salespeople, and the second group being our field crew. So what the first group, you know, they travel more to your major cities, and their stays are typically do not exceed two to three days. But our field crews, they're lodging in smaller, more remote cities, and their stays are usually minimally a week, sometimes, you know, months and months at a time. So they're very different in terms of approach and, and, and also terms of needs and amenities. Okay. So on, uh, when setting up the, is it the project management team in the smaller cities, what, what are the main differences that you have found when, when trying to, I guess, uh, set up their travel arrangements when going to big cities? Some major cities, they, they've got it down, right? You, they right. are traveling to and from them every day but uh what are some of the challenges that you've ran into in some of the smaller places because i know i'm sure there's some pretty rural areas that you oh know, absolutely uh, traveling to you know what it, sometimes it is unfortunately is picking the best from the worst when you go to these small towns that maybe there's only three options um and they're not your marriott's your hyatt's um it's looking at the reviews it's trying to get as much feedback to determine which of those hotels our crew will be comfortable in because Sometimes there's not much option, unfortunately. And then if nothing works out, trying to locate the next nearest big city that can give them appropriate housing. Because yeah, you, you mentioned that they're typically staying there for longer periods of time, correct? Correct, correct. Yeah, so you have to find the, the best place for them. And if, it, if it's a, a city, what's the furthest away that you've ever had to put somebody from the product they're working on? Um, you know... Not so much furthest away, just so, just more that they're super small. So like Big Spring, Texas, I don't have a lot of options when we're there. Um, I'm trying to think. There's this small place in New Mexico our guys go to, and there's like maybe two hotels. And then also, too, sometimes maybe the properties are fantastic, but they're full. So oh. then you have to look at, is there, if there's no nearby hotel that they can't do a 30-minute or less commute, is there any wild chance that there's an Airbnb we can use? Um, so you have to get creative for sure. And there's and the field crew has is an extremely flexible group, which is helpful in these situations because it's not like you said the major cities are a no-brainer. Um, these smaller ones, you have to be flexible and creative. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that you uh, sometimes have to refer to using Airbnb. I've, I've seen them at, you know, GBTA conventions in the past couple of years. And I've kind of wondered myself, you know, how, uh, how much travel managers are using Airbnb to kind of, you know, set up lodging for their employees and for their travelers. How, uh, how's your experience been with them? So it's pretty much um, a last resort so far. And I don't think Airbnb is going to go away and maybe it will be adjusted to better fit the business travel world going forward. My issues with Airbnb is the lack of control that we have. Yeah. Um, if an employee was to be hurt while staying at an Airbnb, you know, what do we do? Where does the um, responsibility lie? I, I think right now Airbnb doesn't also integrate with Concur. So if anything were to ever happen in a city and we needed to pull a report to see where our travelers were staying, if someone was staying at Airbnb, I wouldn't capture that data. So I would not be able to evacuate or reach out to that person unless, you know, someone else notified me that so-and-so was, was in that city. 
Gotcha. So as a as a last resort, at least you're getting some place for your travelers to, to lay their head down at night. But from a management perspective, it's really not ideal. Correct. Yeah. And I guess they're newer to the to, to the business travel industry. And like you said, they're they're not going anywhere. So I'm sure over time they'll start to have all those integrations and everything. But that's uh, that's interesting. I was curious to to you know know how if travel managers are starting to use them more and more on a on a regular basis. But uh, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't fit our model perfectly yet. I'm sure other companies use it to a greater de- greater deal. And yeah, maybe down the road it will be. Um, a better fit or we'll use it more often. But for right now, I, I tend to use your regular standard hotel motel. Cool. All right. So you, you've been at, at uh, surveying and mapping for two and a half years. Uh, tell me a little bit about when you first started out there. Were you hired on as a travel manager? Uh, were you brought onto a team? Are you managing a team currently? Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Sure. So yes, when I was hired by surveying and mapping, I was hired as the travel program manager. Um, the, they had concur as a expense and um, travel booking tool in place, but it was probably used being used by less than 5% of the employee population. Wow. It brought a travel manager in to really truly launch the travel program and the use of the tools. And then to also, you know, solidify policy to um, get those vendor negotiated rates because there were, I mean, the program was non-existent when I joined. So there was a lot that needed to be done to bring them up, up to speed. Wow. So you, you basically came into the role as, yes, you're a travel program manager, but there's really no travel program to manage currently. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, you know, prior to my joining the company, travel was booked directly with the vendor online or by phone. It was done not by one person necessarily. Different people would pick it up depending upon their relation with the tr- relationship with the traveler. There was just um, no policy, no procedure. And then we also had the inability to pull any reporting, be it on our traveler's whereabouts or, or on our travel, travel spend. So, you know, those are quite important to an organization as a whole. And, you know, they, they understood the need for a travel program manager. And I was lucky enough to be able to join the company. That's great. So going into that 5% uh, people using Concur, really, you know, no management in regards to the travel program uh, when you first started. What were some of the first steps you had to take to to really start reeling that in to to get the reporting that you needed to get everyone to you know get the adoption throughout the the company uh, in line with the, the program? Uh, what was what was the first thing you you had to do? I began by creating a lot of educational documents and also hosting numerous tutorials. A lot of the employees here had been with Sam for a decade plus and or had no previous experience with Concur. So there was certainly a lot of hesitancy um, to using the system and then to also not understanding the value of having a program and begin to begin with their mindset being, you know, this process doesn't seem broke to me. Why are we fixing it? Yeah. So I had to kind of take an educational position on the travel program and the tools involved so I could better inform the employees, the managers, and even our senior staff and stakeholders the importance of this program. And, you know, that runs everything from just teaching people how to use the tool 
to letting them know the discounts that are achieved and the money we're saving long-term. Managers finally have access to reporting they, could, they never had before. And then just you know, from a duty of care standpoint, we could fulfill that obligation by knowing where our travelers were at all times and receiving you know, emergency notifications if someone was somewhere that required our action. So, I mean, yeah, education was my, was how I started to launch the program and, and get and increase that adoption rate. I can imagine at first when, you know, everyone has pretty much free reign to do whatever they want. They could book with whoever they want. They can, you know, probably spend, you know, X amount of dollars and, and not, you know, right. there to really say one, one way or the other. I'm, I'm sure uh, a lot of people were probably not too pleased about it at first, but so how did you, how did you eventually uh, get over that hump? How did you start to get people to kind of, you know, I guess be uh, to realize that you really were performing a benefit for them and the company? I think a lot of it is too, when you're booking on an individual level and you don't take into consideration spend. So let's say you book business select over want to get away and you know, that charges an additional $200 or so. On the whole, it doesn't affect the company. But if you show the information when a whole group, you know, takes travel policy more as a suggestion than a mandate and books at whatever class they want or stays at any hotel over, you know, what the policy threshold is, you can, if you can show the um, significant cost that, that, that the company incurs as a result, people understand because every company goes through cycles of good years and bad years. And you want to make sure that, you know, you're saving money even in your good year. So when you have tougher times, you know, you're not at a greater loss. So the travel program is a way to really easily capture savings and keep the help, the company in an even healthier position. Yeah, of course. So what I'm hearing kind of is that by by considering all the spend, you were able to get the reporting that you needed. And then uh, you kind of, it sounds like you got the, the manager's buy-in. And uh, I'm guessing that was kind of a trickle-down effect that once the manager saw really how much you were able to reduce costs on, you know, all the, like you said, the, you know, being, being able to choose from different levels of service and things along those lines that the managers kind of, you know, made it a mandate like, Hey, you know, we, you guys have to use this now. And this, you know, these are the companies that you have to, to book with because we're, you know, just, just bleeding money realistically by doing whatever you want. Absolutely. It's just such an easy way to save money that it's almost silly not to. And I think as people understand that, that, you know, especially with Southwest, you can still get a good seat without buying business select. You can still stay at a hotel less than a half a mile away and have an equally comfortable night than by staying in the, ho- in, in a, in the hotel that is $100 more per night. So, you know, without affecting the total travel experience, you can easily save money. And when the managers bought in on that, and the employees too, to a certain degree, there are a lot of employees who want what's best for the company. That's awesome. So um, it started at about 5% that people are actually using Concur. What are your, what's your adoption uh, rate look like now in regards to the travel program? So now um, we are over about 85%. So I'm happy. (laughs) Sounds like it in two and a half years. That's a pretty, pretty good turnaround. 
Yes. You know, we were able to, like I said, we've got the support of our stakeholders and our managers and the educational part. Once employees got over the hump of using the tool for the first time, realized it's so much easier. It's a one-stop shop versus booking your air one place, your car, another and hotel a third, that it really is a more efficient process to do so. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. Like, yeah, I, I was joking about, you know, a quick turnaround from 5% to 85% in two and a half years, but it, you know, it really is incredible. And it sounds like without the, the buy-in of the stakeholders and the higher ups in the company, it never would have happened. And that's so important because you don't have that same kind of buy-in in different companies. Like people, people may, may know, yeah, you know, travel program is important. Like the expense program is important. We got to, you know, got to make sure we stick to it, but maybe not, you know, as much as to see, you know, realizing exactly how much they're saving. So, uh, you know, I, something like that really, it, it visualizes and shows them exactly, you know, what the importance is behind your role. Oh, absolutely. I mean, ongoing reporting is exceptionally helpful to my role. I can always demonstrate the value of the tool, of the program, of the value of our travel policy through reporting and data and to show them ways that we're succeeding, ways that we can improve and just, you know, continuing to show the importance in the life of this department and position. So what does the department look like now? Is it, is it just you or are you <laughs> managing a team? You know, I feel like for a lot of travel managers of mid-sized companies, the answer is it's just me. And it's for the most part myself and then another person that's part-time. Yeah. Um, we handle most of it. And then from time to time, we have some kind of rotating employees that'll step in if the workload gets to be greater. But yes, it's a, it's a position that's handled or a department that's handled by few. Awesome. Yeah, I'm sure you wear many hats in that case then, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so in the, this whole process, uh, I know adoption obviously must have been difficult, especially at first, but was that your biggest challenge that you ran into? Or you know, did you? what are some of the other things, the, the hurdles that you had to get over to really get the whole company on board? Um, you know, adoption, again, yes, that was the greatest. And in line with that was teaching people the tool. A lot of people, if they weren't booking directly through the vendor sites themselves, had someone and not necessarily even someone in an admin capacity, just a coworker who would book on their behalf. So for a lot of people, this was totally new territory. Um, so that was definitely difficult, getting people to understand the value of Concur and how it could help in booking their travel in, you know, the apps that tie to the program that deliver information directly to their phone. So I would say, yeah, teaching employees to embrace the tool was probably, you know, um, in, in terms of adopting the travel program as a whole, than just that singularly, um, I got some I got some resistance too. But really, other than that, once we got over those hurdles, every uh, you know, the only other thing I could is every now and again you have to remind people of policy. Yeah, um, people will book according to policy, and then you know maybe veer away from it for a little bit, and then reporting helps us to remind them to veer back. <laughs> <laughs> So going back to the the tool, what kind of uh, what methods were you using to teach people uh, how to use a tool? Did you just put together Word documents and send them out? Did you have like constant uh, educational email blasts that you, that you sent out? Did you set up kind of 
like learning sessions for, mm-hmm. for people? So to start, we did, I hosted um, several webinars and then in-person trainings as well. So beyond going through the whole PowerPoint presentation that I pulled together, also giving employees the chance to ask questions that possibly I um, hadn't foreseen to walking people one-on-one live through the process or in a group format, how to book travel, what to ha- what to do when this occurs or this error message is received. Um, and then yes, yeah, so documentation to support all this, creating an intranet page that housed all this information so it was readily available at moment. And then, you know, always being available as best as I can to help individuals to answer their questions, to walk them through the process. You know, I truly believe a positive experience with me personally or my other team member just translates to a more positive, open-minded experience with the tool and the program. So making sure that they walk away from, from working with our team to, um, with a good feeling. If they trust you, they are going to trust the tool and they're going, going to, you know, trust the policy and everything. So mm-hmm. it just, it, it makes sense that they would, you know, want to work with you to, uh, you know, to do things the, the way that they need to do. But that's, that's awesome. I, I mean, I think the fact that you in such a quick period of time have taken, you know, built it, the whole travel program from the ground up and, you know, gotten so many people uh, to adopt it within the company and, I, you know, I think a lot of travel managers struggle with the same thing. I've, I've spoken to a, a couple travel managers who are, are in the same position or were in the same position a, a few years back. And you know, it's, it's a never ending process that you're just, you know, constantly trying to educate and reeducate mm-hmm. more people and new people. Like, like you said that, you know, uh, surveying and mapping uh, keeps acquiring companies. Am I right? So it, it's gotta be a, uh, you know, it's it's like starting from scratch every time they acquire a new company, I would guess. Right, right. And we hope that we each time and just constantly reminding ourselves it's not. We can always improve. We can always better educate. There's always questions we possibly didn't think of that someone's going to bring to our attention. And, you know, yes, we're happy with the adoption rate as a travel program manager. That 15 percent leakage still gets to me. So I'm hoping <laughs> to find ways where we can increase that number and um, how we get those additional employees on the tool and booking according to policy. What's your goal? What is your goal number? Oh, God, you know, I'd love hundred percent would be great, <laughs> but I'm not realistic. So maybe I'll shoot for 90 by the end of this year and we'll, we'll reassess. All right. <laughs> Let's make a deal a year from now. We'll check back in and we'll have an, another, uh, we'll have you on the podcast Perfect. again and we'll, we'll double check and see where you're at. You got a deal. All right. Awesome. So uh, obviously that's about what you've been working on for the past two and a half years is, uh, you know, getting the travel program up and running. Uh, now it seems like it's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's running, it's working. Uh, is there any new, uh, new projects that you have in the pipeline that you are, you know, working on in the future? So one of my projects for 2018 was the corporate card program. Um, What greatly affected our travel program was that there was no corporate card program in place. So either the employee incurred the expense of the travel personally on their own card and then submitted for reimbursement later, or we prepaid everything, including hotel um, and car. So where air is easy to prepay hotel or prepay and car as well, hotel is trickier. You have to fax over credit card authorization. You have to hope the right person picks it up. Um, 
and that they apply it to the individual's reservation. So we had some, it was difficult and that employees would arrive to ho the hotel. Sometimes a credit card authorization was attached to their stay, other times not. Our card was compromised, ongoing and continually. Um, so the corporate card program was my big project for this year. We launched it to, I would say, maybe 30 to 40% of the company in April through, I guess, June. And so far, it's been a great success. I think it's eased business, traveler, business travel for all our individuals um, and that, you know, they don't have to carry expense. They don't have to worry about that, that awkward hotel interaction when they say there's no credit card authorization. <laughs> And then I have to call and explain I faxed it twice now. So, you know, this has been, this was my big project. Aside from that, as we acquire more and more companies, it's onboarding people and educating people in large groups. Um, and that's, you know, something we're constantly improving on and trying to get better and better at. Yeah, of course. It, it, you know, as you guys continue to grow and continue to acquire, it's going to be a really a never ending uh, uh, battle for you to, you know, to teach new people the travel program itself. But going back to the corporate card uh, aspect, I, I can imagine that that really must have made so many of the travelers happier and created so much efficiency on their end. Uh, you know, I just, I know from my experience to have to put a hotel room on my card and then, you know, either take a picture of it, take a picture of the receipt or send my bill or, you know, turn in my expenses and everything it really gets to be such a pain, almost like a second job in itself if you're traveling a lot. So with, absolutely, with the corporate car, the, uh, I'm guessing everything just feeds up right to you guys. And you don't really have to worry about all that anymore, correct? Well, they still have to submit their expenses, but a lot of e-receipts automatically populate. All the charges automatically populate to concur. So what they have to do on their end in terms of coding and attaching receipts is very minimal. Um, it's a lot easier, too, because when we were using a corporate card for the majority, I would say 80% of all travel, we our team was then responsible for reconciling all those charges. As the person who didn't take the trip, I have an idea of how to code this based on what you indicated in your itinerary, but that could have changed. That could have been incorrect. And so, you know, we ran into issues of are we even coding some of these expenses to the right place? since the non-traveler is the one that's reconciling the expenses in the end. So, I mean, on, on the whole, it is just from reporting to the individual's experience. I think it's just been a great improvement to the company. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, and you said you rolled it out to 30 to 40% of the company to begin with. Uh, is it rolled out to the entire company now, or is that just uh, throughout the rest of 2018, you're going to eventually get the entire company on it? I don't think we'll ever roll out the program to all employees. There are some employees that will never really incur costs on behalf of the company. So mainly we're looking at employees who either travel on behalf of Sam or, you know, are in an administrative function where they might be purchasing on behalf of an office. So those are the two groups that we looked into getting cards for. And I don't know that beyond that, if someone didn't fall in either of those categories, that they would be issued a corporate card. That makes sense. You know, not everybody's traveling and needs to uh, incur any expenses. So if they're just coming into work in the office on a daily basis, they probably don't need a corporate card. Right, right. So, awesome. So uh, changing up gears a little bit. I know we've mm -hmm. talked a lot about the kind of operational side of things and a lot about what you've done to improve the travel program and everything. But I want to get into more about you on your day to day day to day and you know 
you and the travel industry in general. So what is your favorite part of the job? What's your favorite part of working with surveying and mapping and, and the travel industry? You know, I think there's a lot of parts to this job that I enjoy. One of the greatest ones is the opportunity to interact with everyone company-wide, regardless of level, regardless of location. I speak to the majority of the people working with Sam. I mean, even if they're not traveling, they might be, you know, submitting a mileage or expense or a boot reimbursement and they need my assistance to do so. So I think it's a great position to get to really know the company and the faces of the company. Um, you know, it's also what I love about this field in general. There's a lot of innovative tech that comes with the travel industry that I also always find kind of fun to learn about and see if there is a way to implement it into our program. Are you going to be going to GBTA this year? I am. Oh, I know. I, I love walking around the convention floor and just seeing the new technological advances and just the new tools that are out there that I'm like, wow, I, mean, I never even would have thought about that. But every year there's just something that seems like, like, oh, wow, how do we get, a, how did people, you know, get by without this? In the, right, in the past? Right. So. Yeah. No, I'm looking forward. There's a couple of companies I'm very excited to meet with and hope that, you know, they can help us improve on our program. Do uh, you mentioned that you get to speak and work with everybody uh, at Sam all the time? Is everybody? Are you guys all housed under the same office? Um, you mean in terms of location? Uh, yeah. Aside from the people that are traveling, your your corporate office is a majority of the company there. Yes, the majority is here. I think our other offices at Max maybe have a hundred or two hundred, but the majority are here in our Austin office. Yeah, that's awesome. Everybody under one roof. Mm-hmm, yes. Going back to the technological advances, uh, it kind of leads me right into my next question. Where do you see the travel industry in the next five years? I, I know, like we said, so many things are, are changing, but do you, you know, do you see a lot of these changes happening over the next year, over the next five years, or do you, you think things are going to stay kind of along the same, you know, the same way uh, as they are now? You know, I think, and I'm interested to see, I think artificial intelligence and chatbots are going to play a bigger role in the business travel world. Um, you know, I've been reading and noticing that chatbots um, will or serve as travel agents to travelers and could be a good tool for the business travel population. The ability to study patterns um, and traveler preferences to deliver like a customized itinerary that you might have expected from your typical travel agent, you know, um, I think, I think that's the innovation or the, the way we're headed, uh, concur purchased Hitmonk, I believe a couple of years ago for that same reason to stay at the forefront, forefront of this trend. So I think we're going to see more of that in the near future. What kind of applications do you see chatbots, uh, being integrated with? So Concur is like they acquired Hitmonk in the hopes that for a traveler to, if the traveler wanted to communicate with someone via chat, that this program would deliver almost the same, I guess, experience if you, if I was chatting to you or you were chatting to me. So questions about travel, um, assisting in the, in compiling an itinerary based on the traveler's preferences or needs or, you know, what amenities they want at the hotel. So, you know, serving, um, serving in that almost travel agent role, but not being the actual person. Yeah, of course. And, and allows you and 
tra- the travel team itself to kind of focus on more high level, more beneficial aspects on a day to day instead of I'm sure answering a lot of questions that you seem like you, you answer all the time for people. And like you said, putting together itineraries that if you had more, I, I guess, intellectual tools that mm-hmm. they'd be able to put them together for them and, and free up some of your time to focus on high level, high value uh, aspects of the day. Absolutely. It would be a great benefit to any travel program manager. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, because I, I agree, I think chatbots are really, they're they're in a lot of industries already. Customer service, mm-hmm. they've, they've been in that industry for, for years. And for a long time, people kind of, you know, were annoyed by them that they want to want to speak to somebody on the other side of the phone or they want to, you know, know they're talking to a real person, even if it's in chat. But with AI and the way chatbots are starting to function these days, a lot of times you wouldn't even know if it's a real person on the other side of the, the, the message box or not. So I think exactly. as, as it starts to get more a realistic feel, more people are starting to adopt the idea of it and uh, mm-hmm. accept it. And, you know, as that happens, it's just going to continue to be integrated into more and more industries, uh, you know, from, like I said, customer service is already huge, but for, you know, travel, uh, really anything, anything that, you know, humans communicate one-to-one with, it really can be applied to. Yeah, it was definitely rough to start, but I think as it becomes more fine-tuned and if the user feels that they're getting almost that person-to-person interaction, it would be, you know, a wonderful addition to the to the travel industry. Yeah, definitely. Do uh, how do you? What's your take on voice and the Alexa and and what's Google's lady's name, Cortanya? Do you use any of those in your your day to day? Do you see that being a, a part of the travel industry in the in the near future? So I do not use Alexa in the travel industry. I do use. We are an Alexa household. At home, we use her personally. Um, currently, there seems to sometimes be a disconnect with what we're saying and what's translated. I would be very hesitant to make any travel plans that way now. Yeah. Um, unless it was recommendations based on weather or nearby restaurants, something that wasn't a commitment and a financial one. Um, I don't know that my comfort level is there yet. Yeah. You, you tell Alexa, Alexa, book me a flight to Carta or to Croatia and you get on the plane <laughs> and end up in Cartagena. <laughs> so. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think, it's kind of like we were just saying about the chatbots is that a few years ago, you know, they were out there and some people used them, but they weren't quite there yet. Uh, and I, I kind of see the same thing happening with uh, the Alexas and the Cortanias of the world that you, know, you can use them now. They're, they're fun to interact with, but maybe a few years until the actual, you know, application of them into the, the business world will really be, uh, you know, be a major, major thing. Right. You know, and it, it... It could be just a great tool, though. You can get this information so many different ways just to know flight arrival times. But, you know, there's a lot of apps now, too. Our TMC, as well as Concur and TripIt, delivers information about your your flights as it is. So I'm sure. I'm sure it's something you and I aren't thinking about. And in four years, we'll walk the GBTA halls and think, oh, my God, how did we not live with this? Yeah, of course. I'd be surprised to not see something there this year with, you know, with something right. that, you know, Tell Alexa you're going to Austin for work trip, and it sets up your entire trip. Who knows if it'll right, be right. correct, but it, you know, it'll be interesting to see. 
All right. Awesome. I'm going to start to wrap it up here. And uh, I like to ask all of our guests kind of the same, same questions at the end, just to learn a little bit more about them and to to give a a little bit more info to all the listeners. So first question, uh, what do you like to do for fun? I mean, quite obviously, I've always enjoyed traveling. I do still travel as much as I can. We just returned from um, Rosemary Beach in Florida, which was fantastic vacation. I highly recommend the area. Rosemary um, Beach. I'm in Florida. I'm in Boca Raton. I'm not sure where. It, I don't, I've never heard of Rosemary Beach. So it's 30A Panhandle area. Oh, okay. Uh, just north of Panama Beach. But what's nice about it, you know, is that stretch is pretty. But Rosemary Beach, for whatever reason, just seems separate from it all. It almost looks more New England or Western European. It's very bizarre. It just doesn't fit with, you know, the towns to the left and right of it. Um, but beautiful beaches on, you know, up and down that stretch and great weather. So yes, wow. if you ever get up, recommend Rosemary beach. I was going to say, I'll have to check it out. Every year I uh, try to make a trip up to Tallahassee. I went to Florida state and I, okay. I'd like to try to get up there and go to a football game, but Lately, my wife hasn't quite enjoyed the trips as much as she she used to. So maybe if I tell her, oh, we're going to go to this great place called Rosemary Beach first and then go over to Tallahassee, it'll be kind of a, Absolutely. a win-win on both of both them. Do it and stay at the Pearl Hotel. It's right near the beach. Just quick walk, great restaurant, food nearby. Yes, you should do it. Awesome. All right. So next question. What is the last book you read? So the last book I almost read um, was for my book club. It's called Less by Andrew Greer. So I say almost read because I got about 80% done with it. And that seems to be my MO these days. That's pretty good. Almost fitting book. Yes. But, and, you know, perfectly uh, fitting to our conversation. It's about the global adventures of this kind of comical guy. And he travels all over trying to run away from a circumstance back home and I recommend it. It's a good book, and I believe it won the Pulitzer Prize. Wow! All right, maybe I will check it out. So, so the book club you you get to you read eighty percent, and then the book club kind of fills you in on the final twenty percent. Right. Is that how it works? Or yeah, or and sometimes I pretend I did finish it. So it all depends <laughs> how honest I decide to be. Yeah, Cliff Notes. You just Google it. Right. You can Google right, anything exactly. these days. Do you read any books that are related to your job or the travel industry or? just like your professional career in general? Not so much. I mean, if anyone were asking for any recommendations in terms of what to read, I would honestly point them in the direction of the GBTA courses and the materials they give you for that. They offer two amazing courses um, for anyone interested or starting off in the industry, the fundamentals and then the advanced principles of business travel. And, you know, those are those binders I got from those classes. I still thumb through to this day because they're jam-packed with excellent information from, you know, hotel RFPs to travel and risk management plans to, you know, everything under the sun. So if anyone wanted me any reading, I would say take these courses, which is probably not the answer they wanted, but. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to, I think they're all, they have those courses on like Saturday and Sunday this year. Uh So you might've just, some people might've been on the, the ledge if they were going to do it or not. And you might've just pushed some people over. So I hope so. They're, and the, and the instructors are industry, industry experts. So yes, definitely do it. Who are the instructors typically? Are they other travel managers that have just been in the industry for a long time? Yes. They're typically um, current travel program managers. Most of them are of director level or higher. They have certifications related to the industry, um, be it their GTP or, 
GLP, uh, and extremely knowledgeable. I mean, I can't, no question stumped these gentlemen in the two years that I took these courses. They, they knew it all. That's awesome. Uh, I'm obviously, I'm with A1A Limo. I'm the director of business development there. And I, you know, I've learned a lot about the travel industry, just working with different travel managers like yourself over the years. But I thought about taking one of the courses just to really get kind of a insider's view into the travel program management side of things. Cause there's, there's really, you know, there's so much to learn and that's why I love uh, doing the podcast. Cause I love getting on calls with mm-hmm. travel managers such as yourself. And every, every time I, you know, have one of these uh, interviews, I'd learn something new about the travel industry. I didn't know before. So it's, you know, it, it's something I thought about before. So maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll do it this year. I don't think I have anything going on on Saturday. There you go. I mean, there are suppliers there. You all are the minority, but there are ones there. And I think they have the exact same approach you're talking about. Let me, let me see this from the other side. And you, you do, you'll, you'll learn a lot. Yeah, definitely. It, so we're in the same industry. So it's, it's always good to get a you know, different point of view into things. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. All right. So that could have been your golden nugget, but if you could give another golden nugget <laughs> of information for anyone who is new to the travel industry or even people who have been in the travel industry for a long time, uh, what advice would you give to people to be successful? The best advice I could give would to always provide a high level of customer service to your coworkers. You know, traveling can be extremely stressful. For some, it's nerve wracking. They don't do it very often. But if you can provide ongoing support, you know, offer travelers the education and tools, make sure that you're always, you know, do your best to be always available to answer questions um, with, with a smile. It, 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 it helps your travel program greatly. It, um, people walk away with, again, a positive feeling about the program. And, you know, it just, um, on the whole, is beneficial to all groups. Yeah, of course. I mean, th- those are those words to live by in anything in life, really. Absolutely. You know, and so, like I said, if you're, new, if you're joining a company and you're launching a program, people don't always embrace change. So the better your attitude, the less resilient they will be to whatever new system, policy, whatever it may be that you're introducing. Great. Yeah, that's definitely great advice. All right. And finally, my last question, where can people find you if they wanted to get in touch with you? I am on LinkedIn, and that is probably the best place to get in touch with me. Um, Yeah, I answer emails there quite regularly. And for anyone that is starting a travel program or starting a new component of their travel program, I, I would recommend you reach out to Christy because it sounds like she, you know, has it down pat and has <laughs> well, thank you, very successful in uh, in her program over the last couple of years. So, I, uh, you know, I, it was a pleasure speaking with you and and learning about how you're able to do that. And uh, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. All right. Thanks, Christy, and I'll see you at GBTA. Okay. Perfect. See you soon. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you taking the time to check us out and hope you continue to do so as we continue to create new, fresh, valuable content for everybody in the travel industry on a weekly basis. If you liked what you heard, please rate us and leave us some feedback. I promise you I will be your friend forever if you leave us a great positive rating. I would love to hear any feedback or suggestions you have to help make the show more useful for the rest of the business travel world in the future. 
Feel free to reach out to me if you have any ideas for any new topics or if you'd like to be a guest on the show yourself. My name is Rick Versace Jr. saying thank you again for listening and we'll catch you next time on the Wheels Up Business Travel Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to our show today. I hope you were able to take a ton of value out of our talk with Chrissy. I know anyone who is looking to grow adoption throughout their travel program, definitely, you know, there should be some takeaways here for you. Uh, As always, if you enjoyed the show, please go and leave us some feedback. It is extremely helpful and we really appreciate it. And again, anyone going out to GBTA next week, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, I'd love to meet you in person. My email is rickjr at a1alumo.com. And I really look forward to uh, meeting as many people as possible next week. So thanks again, everyone. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening to the Wheels Up Business Travel Podcast.